All right, all right, all right. Here we go again with podcast Invest in You. Today we have got an interesting guest which uh, has found us, which is always good fun. Uh, we got uh, Moran uh, Pover from, uh, yeah, all over the world. But I'll let you to introduce yourself. So, hi, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Perfect. So we have got people from all over the world you have been at least in the, in the broad range of countries and today we have discussed you're in cyprus what brought you to cyprus beyond the weather it's, it's a good question i don't know it's uh kind of like the universe brought me here but logically the reason that i'm here is because so right now i'm pretty much a global citizen i have yep. a residency in panama i have some kind of a residency here i'm originally from israel and I had businesses in US, UK, Canada, Australia, Israel, Panama, Cyprus now. Um, so I think what keeps me here is the weather, the fact that it's close to Israel and Israel is where I'm from and my family is there. So it's kind of like just a good, also it's very isolated, I think from the world. So it's a small island in Europe. And uh, I think with COVID, it was just a good place to stay stuck, stuck at. Perfect, perfect. Yeah, no, just that alone, puts lots and lots of questions in my head. Everything from uh, curious about uh, Panama to a global citizen to multiple uh, citizenships. But uh, I'll park all of those ideas for now. So one other reason why on the podcast is we are both very interested and curious and actually buying other companies. So we'll talk a lot more about that. But what are you doing today? Explain a little bit more what, what you're doing from a business point of view. Yeah, so right now I'm the founder and CEO of acquisitions.com. What we do is we help people buy businesses and create roll-ups. So we are a combination of an accelerator, kind of like why combinator people are, are there trying to start businesses. We are an accelerator for people who are trying to buy existing, established, profitable businesses. And we help them with everything from how to pick the best sector for them to then how to find the best deals, how to analyze the deal and make sure that the deal is good or not. And then we also help them with uh, raising the capital. And moving forward in 2022, we're also uh, going to invest alongside our clients with a fund. Yep. Uh, we tested it just a little bit on a small scale, but I really want to make it a, um, a, a key thing with what we're doing with acquisitions.com. So in the last three years, we helped and supported more than 100 acquisitions, um, usually in the range of one to 40 million in revenues. Um, our best, um, let's say success story in the guy we, we helped the most is a guy that created, uh, we helped him and worked with him to create a company doing almost 200 million in revenues. And that happened in less than a year by yeah. basically consolidating an industry. Um, so that's what I'm really excited about to find people that are like really ambitious. They want to do big things. They want to really make an impact, um, and dominate their industry. Um, yeah. and they want to roll those industries and buy pretty much as many companies as they can um, and, and do it that way. Love, love, love the sound of that. So yeah, that sounds perfect for me. Where, where do I sign up? No, I, <laughs> no, I really, really like the idea. That's very much where I am most likely will go next for myself. So I also sold uh, a couple of companies for a broad range of reasons in, in the latest 18 months. So also like, mm, okay, what's next? So 
you probably meet lots of people who think about what's next now following that we're recording this in COVID times. Have you met mm. more people curious about even the idea of buying another company lately? Which is the same. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I think there's definitely more interest for people who want to sell their business, especially if the business got hurt from COVID. True. True. So I've seen a lot of deals where people literally buy businesses for one dollar just to take over the the burden of running yeah. and owning that business. I've seen a lot of those. As far as curiosity to buy businesses, I don't, I don't think that there is a huge difference. Uh, but at the same time, um, it's not like you know I'm out there um, <laughs> waiting for people to yeah, to tell me if they're more interested than before. I'm just looking yeah. for specific individuals who are um, most excited anyway. Yeah, well, that sounds, sounds perfect. Cool. So rewinding a bit, what what brought you into entrepreneurship in the first place? Have you got any like role models or education for people who are, they got no clue at all about you? Yeah. So um, like I said, I'm originally from Israel and I started my first business um, at the age of 16, 17. I used to sell flowers uh, in the streets, literally. And for someone like 16, 17 almost 18, uh, I made pretty good money, like a few thousand dollars a week. And then at the age of 18, I had to go to the military. So in the Israeli military, um, it's a mandatory thing. I <laughs> went for three years in the military. And what yeah. I found out is that as soon as I went to the military, I had no business because I, I was pretty much the business. I had a few people helping me, but it's kind of like, if I wasn't there, there wasn't a real business. So I think that was probably my biggest kind of like um, lesson as an entrepreneur is the idea that like, if you are the business, there's no real business. You just have a yep. hopefully high paying job that you're also the owner of. But if you're not, you don't have an um, sellable asset, something with processes, with team that will work with you or without you being there day to day, then you don't really yes. have a business. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. Mm -hmm. Now the same same thing like you said like the 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 one person companies or where you're really required for either the sales or the deal making or or even delivery of the service or product then that's very hard to sell and I think that's a tough revelation for many people who are especially in, in the baby boomer generation now okay getting close to retirement I really need to get out of this I like to sell the company like I planned in the first place but it's not a sellable entity. What's an example of a company you can't sell? Well, you cannot sell everything I know, but uh, uh, why you will get not, virtually no money for it? Yeah, exactly. No, no one will pay you for something that, I mean, a lot of people want to buy, want to sell their business, but if they are the only reason that the business exists, then no one will buy or at least won't pay you something that's worth selling the business for. Yeah. Right, we can dive into specific deal structures like earnouts and whatnot. So maybe yep. someone will pay you on an earnout and want you to stay as his employee, basically. But then, what's the real reason of selling the business if you can just make the same money as the owner yourself? Um, yeah, sure. yeah, and we can dive into a lot of those nuances of what I see with a lot of businesses now, businesses that we're looking to buy or with people who want to sell their businesses. Like you gotta have a few things in mind when you want to sell those, and also same applies for when you want to grow by acquisitions. Unless you have good processes and systems, a lot of people come to me and they're like, hey, Ron, I want to buy 10 businesses in the next year. I'm like, cool, you have an existing first business. Is that business in a mess? And yeah. if the answer is usually yes with small businesses, then 
it's going to be very challenging to continue to grow it by acquisition because <laughs> if you have one messy business and you want to buy 10 more businesses, you'll just end up with 10 messy businesses. So it's not really going to work. And I'm, I'm saying that to someone who had that experience and just had yep. tons of businesses and every business was in a bit of a different sector and to manage it, it's, it's, it's a disaster. Yes. Maybe you can make good cash flow, but in the end of the day, if you want to build something that is sellable for the highest multiple yes. create the most amount of enterprise value. It's gotta be super organized and structured. Otherwise it's going to be very, yeah, it's not going to work well. Yeah. Let's, let's uh, on a high level work through how could this process even work for someone who has not been through it before all the way from like, how do you find a company? How do you fund it? How do you fix whatever is inside to later either how to keep it running or even to, to flip it. So let, let's, let's play with an example. For example, it can be any sector, any industry at all. You can pick a case or just a fictionary one. So number one, how do you even find the ideally a motivated seller in, in any sector? Yeah, good question. Um, so the way that I see that when it comes to finding deals, and can even take a step back and make it, Please. first of all, research. Think, okay. Are we, yeah, first of all, research also, are we, do we want to grow an existing business or we don't have a business and we want to buy a first business, right? Cause I will give a different advice to yep. someone with a business versus someone without, yeah. right? Yeah. If it's someone with a business, I would tell you, Hey, before even looking at the deal, like, let's make sure that you know what you're looking to build. Right. So even taking a few steps back and thinking, yep. okay, what's the vision that. here, right? What are the values? What the org chart is going to look like? What's the theme that you're going to need? what the culture is going to look like over time and how are you making sure that you're aligning everyone in the team and in this, the, the new companies, uh, what kind of synergies you might have with future businesses that you'll buy, uh, what kind of break points you'll have as you try, as you try to scale, right? There's a lot of things that might break as you try to scale businesses organically or by acquisitions. Um, Extra. What is your exit strategy? Yeah, very, very good extra points for sure. And especially where, where are you going with this in the first place before you even, Anything. So now let's let's um, assume that we have got those ideas and we are starting mm-hmm. with with uh, a, a no company or a company without basically no no value. But you have set up uh, maybe a holding company or another company. And let's take from there. Yeah. So then then I will say, okay, you need to find a way to find deals, right? Obviously, that's assuming that you know what's the best sector for you. You're yep. focused. Yep. You're clear. Exactly. You know your criteria. You know I want this business that size that kind of sector, et cetera. So then in terms of how you find deals, I look at the process of finding deals as the same process as if you own a business and you're doing marketing to get clients. Perfect. So the same ways that allows you and helps you to get clients and by you either advertising, doing marketing, doing referrals, using your network, everything that works uh, with getting clients can work for you in getting potential deals. Obviously we can discuss, you got, on market deals, the deals that are listed with business brokers and you got yeah. off market deals, deals that, uh, basically business owners that no one ever talked to, to even sell their business. They never even thought that it's possible. to. No, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And again, for, for the role play and for the case example, let's, let's carry on with the assumption that you're not going to a broker. It's not listed on the market. So in the end of that, you, you're kind of starting the conversation or thought process or you find the, the, put a, the, the current owner at, at the right time, then what do we do? Yeah. So, so with finding the right owner, first of all, what I really like is using emails. We have a lot of great automations. We have Perfect. a lot of great systems. So that's really good. Assuming someone answered the phone, 
if it's the owner or someone from the team, maybe you have a gatekeeper. The goal in the end of the day is to get in touch with the owner and to get access to confidential information. Right. Yes. So you want to see information to really figure out, like, okay, is that the business that you don't want to get involved with? So to get there, usually you need to sign an NDA to make the seller feel confident that you're not going to steal uh, the data, the, the confidential data about the business. Because I can tell you, I've heard horror stories about people that even after signing NDAs and after signing the LOI, which we will get to in a second, yep. what yep. that is. Um, literally, I had, a, I had a, a, a colleague, a friend that was about to sell his business for a very like, nice chunk of money to set him up for life. And during due diligence on the deal, the company that was about to buy him pretty much breached the contract and stole a lot of his employees, a lot of his um, clients. And instead of buying them, that guy almost had to bankrupt. Because it was a competitor and he didn't know how to defend himself. So what we're doing anyway, going back to the process is, okay, let's make sure that we make, we, we make the seller and the potential business that you're looking to buy, the potential business owner, the business seller, to make sure that he's comfortable with even sharing with you that information. And what yeah, I like to tell yep. people is like, you want to position yourself as a safe pair of hands, someone who's going to take care of the business, who's going to take care of the employees, who's going to take care of the brand. And you really want to be that person because it's really important in the market, like especially the markets we have right now, which is brutal, especially with the bigger companies out there who are just like trying to buy revenues as fast as possible just for the sake of showing growth for their shareholders. So we want to get access to the information. That's the first step, right? We want to build enough rapport so we could get access to the information that we uh, want to look at to then know, okay, what's the business worth, right? And then... <laughs> yeah, I'm, not, I'm laughing because I guess imagine the conversation where, where you're trying to manage expectation at the same time also doing a reality check and, and almost like the ice bucket shower where they, they might think they got something hugely valuable, uh, but often when you start to, to dig in, it's uh, somewhat an educational process to, to teach them that this, <laughs> it might not be as rosy many times in my, in my limited experience. Yeah, 100%. I mean, yeah. I mean, like you said, um, <clears throat> a lot of those business owners are selling their only business, their yes. first business for the first time. Yeah. Um, and a lot of those business owners, if you'll talk to them about financial statements and balance sheet and yeah. assets versus liabilities, like a lot of them don't even know the difference. And it's almost surprising yeah. to see um, how they survived until then. How yeah. they survived. Exactly. Yeah, how, how they run business. And some of those businesses are making good money. Like I talk to people who made like 30, 40, 50 million a year and they barely know what is a balance sheet. Yeah. Right. So it's just, I think that's, uh, uh, it's an humble experience to see that, to also see that, hey, you don't have to be like that much, like a genius to, to make money in business. Right. So I think that's interesting as well. And it also shows that, hey, if I'm going to buy that business, I guess I don't need to be a genius. Um, to learn how to run that business. Oh, exactly, exactly. Yeah, we, 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 let's let's pause here for a second and do another sidetrack. So uh, we've had many guests on this podcast who are entrepreneurs. Many of them are self-taught. Some have been to, through the education system. Have you found a good place where people even can learn about this in the, the usual school system so far? Limited, I would say, in Sweden and the UK at least. Well, you've got courses, but yeah, thoughts. 
on acquisitions, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't have our accelerator unless if I thought that the answers okay. are out there. Um, same with books. Like most books about M&A are usually done from by people who are buying like large multi-billion dollar corporations yeah. and the process yeah. of buying those businesses. Yes, there are obviously similar things, but it's very different. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's a different game. And when you read those books, it's just like, yeah, it, it makes no sense. And obviously, I think the biggest thing it comes down to when you're looking to do a deal is do you have the confidence to even do a deal? Do you have a second set of eyes, someone to look at the deal with you and basically tell you, hey, is this a good deal or a bad deal? Because if you're trying to do your first deal, buy your first business, yep. you won't have the confidence. And it's almost like you need to jump into the water uh, without knowing what's inside. So unless you have someone who already jumped into the water, um, it, it's going to be scary. So, yeah. Well, yeah. Which, which leads back a little bit to, to the beginning again. So some people might even have like a, a skeleton of a board or a board on, on board. Uh, they might, might not have a, the, the kind of advices it might need later. Would you recommend to have, you kind of like indirectly start to reply to the question already, uh, how much extra support do you need to have before you even now we are at finding the business in the early conversation stage? Do you need to have a team on board already now? It's a good question. I think it depends on who's asking me. Right. And with most people that I found out is that even experienced entrepreneurs, most of them never bought a business. So they don't know the process. They don't know how to find the best deals for motivated sales. They don't know what are the best deal structures to raise capital. So you're not necessarily using your own money. And I'm sharing that because I have, I have dozens of people who are emailing me on a regular basis telling me, Hey man, I wish I knew about you a few years ago, uh, because I invested all of the money that I had also money from my family members into a business that's worth nothing yep. just to make sure the business stays alive and continue to deploy capital just to keep the business alive. So I think you definitely need support at the same time. I don't think you can throw everything on a board that you might hire for yeah. a fee or equity it depends on the fee and what's the incentive of that board. But what I found out is that first of all, a lot of people that are following the build a board first route is that they just take too long to build a board. Yeah. Uh, like if you want like really experienced people to be on your board, you need to really sell yourself well. And it's going to be very difficult unless you have referrals to those people. Second of all, someone who is sharp doing deals right now will not work with you for a small percentage of the deal, yep, unless exactly. you can really show a promise. Third thing is those people, even if they're on their, your board, they're not going to do the work for you. And even if they're going to do the work for you, they're not going to give you the equity that you think that you deserve. Because yep. in the end of the day, you need to know what the process looks like. If you don't know how to find the best deals, they're not going to do the, the work for you and find it for you. If you yep, don't know yep. what is a good deal or not, yeah, you can get some support and get in a set of set of eyes, but guess what? Most board members are not going to do all the financial models and dive into yep, the financials, yep. like, you know, A to Z. So I think it's kind of like, it's, it's a bit of a challenge where people, I see the value of having people to help you. Uh, at the same time, people won't help you unless they are incentivized in a way that makes sense for them. And if they're smart enough, They'll just take a lot of your equity and you'll be diluted. So yeah, exactly. It's, it's a bit of a tricky situation here. Yeah, I, I often have the not often, but many times here I have the situation where uh, again it might uh, join a board or not, and 
I say first, like try to give away as little as possible of the equity I say to the, the founder owner. Uh, and then the next sentence I say, but I will not help you unless I get a decent amount of equity and some kind of retainer. Otherwise, wh- why would I? I've got limited amount of time uh, and uh, I've got a huge access to opening doors and, and advising and how to grow so much faster. But at the same time, <laughs> I'm not willing to do that for free anymore. Um, so yeah, tough one. How how are you on any boards where you're basically not directly involved in the business? I have left a few positions like that recently. For me personally, I'm not getting excited. So I'm fine with the board, but for me, I'm right now will only do deals where I'm in a, in control. And it yeah. doesn't necessarily mean that I have equity control, but I have control of the same in the business. Because I, I invested in businesses in the past that I was just like a minority investor without any control and just like you're ending up with you know you're just investing in a company and it's like good luck like yeah you'd like seeing that money at some point right so unless you have some kind of a a rule to distribute dividends which the owner don't have to if he's uh if he's in control in, in majority so simple things like that, that unless you have control you just you invest the money and it's like okay good luck seeing yeah, that money here here yeah no i yeah. i've yeah, more than a handful of companies where I got exactly the same experience as well in terms of you put in the money, uh, you try to change and influence the, the growth pace, but ultimately it is the people in operating roles who can actually do those decisions and how fast you might take it to an IPO or whatever it might be that you're waiting for. So yeah, perfect. Now we get so much gold dust. I hope that many of the audience can actually understand what we say because we have a secret language here. We still hope that we we can make it understandable because uh, I, I love this topic. So I'm very pleased to have you uh, on board, uh, Moran. Okay, fine. We have now sort of all the conversations. We we have now come to some kind of. All right, we have now agreed. Let's jump back to an acronym you mentioned before: letter of intent. Mm-hmm. So what is that all about? Yeah, so letter of intent is usually um, a letter that you sent that is usually non-binding, but it's yep. a way for you to position uh, the details of the deal. So the offer, the terms, and what's involved in the deal. And that allows you to go into an exclusivity period to do a full due diligence on the acquisition. So after you got access to all the confidential information, you probably got enough, hopefully you got enough um, to let you know if uh, the deal makes sense. And obviously you want to make an offer. Hopefully the offer got accepted or you make in an offer with the LOI and you're basically making an offer of what you think the business is worth. Yep. So the LOIs is hopefully what will get the offer accepted um, with the seller. Then you go into an exclusivity period to do your due diligence. And after that, hopefully um, um, you, you're closing the deal and then you're becoming the owner of the business and um, you know you start to operate and hopefully um, make money and not destroy uh, what the Sell build over the last years. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Someone else has spent many, many years to build whatever you're acquiring. So you don't want to yeah. destroy it. And, and sometimes the purpose is actually to buy the pieces and not the whole pie. But that's another side story, which is complicated to explain. Um, all right. So how can you get to the stage where you have a letter of intent, which actually says that you will not pay so much money for this one. We, we're not coming to how we will fund it yet, but how do you even get to that? Is it just the, the trust relationship or how does the magic happen? How you get an offer accepted with the yeah. LOI? 
Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a good question. I could probably talk about it for a few hours. I know. Uh, but it comes down <laughs> if I had, if I had to summarize it, it's probably yeah, how much rapport you have with the seller and how much willing buyer seller you have um relationship and yeah, how motivated the seller is. And yeah. when you have all of those combined, um you see you see those offers are being accepted. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, lovely. Uh okay, now it's time we've got one parallel track which is like the whole due diligence which is like digging turning the stones and try to find out if if it is as good as you were actually offering or not that's one track we'll not dive deep into that because it's not my absolutely greatest strength we'll jump instead into something i really love is like how to find the money how to fund it so we've got a couple of key themes here everything from the owner might put up the capital or we might get from the bank you might get from other people but i'd love to have uh, your thoughts on on this uh, interesting question where where is your money that you're going to buy the company for yeah good question so we have dozens of ways that we're using nowadays yep. uh, to finance those deals anywhere from things like seller financing which basically means that you go to the seller and yep. you tell them okay i'll pay you one million dollar but i'm going to pay it over x period of time uh, anywhere from one to ten years you have earnouts which is very similar to seller financing which says i'll pay you x over time when the business meets a specific milestone, right? It can be with collateral, without, and hopefully again, again I'm not overwhelming, but it's basically a, um, a milestone dependent um, kind of structure. Yeah. Then you have obviously the the good old, now uh, let's go to the bank, can be different financial institutions like asset lenders, cash flow lenders, mezzanine lenders, yeah. um, other working, again, depends if you're a business owner or not, you might have different financing options, depends on the size of the deal. You might have different financing options. Um, right now, like I had a friend who just took a, a company public on NASDAQ. He got many other financing options that he can use. So there's a lot of different financial institutions that might work with you based on who you are. You can go to dozens of other financial institutions like family offices and private yeah. firms and VCs. And of course, it depends on who's the, what's the deal, who's the investor, who are you? Um, I can continue to talk about those things. If you're in the US, obviously the SBA financing is very, yes. um, um, very famous there. Um, what I really like, something that most people are probably not familiar with, like we worked on a deal where um, we used the acquisition suppliers, uh, the acquisition target supplier to pay a rebate yeah. as a bonus. So basically to get a cash bonus from the supplier for the work the supplier did with the business over the last few years. Yeah. So we got a bonus that we can use uh, for a down payment. Um, <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah, we have different asset lenders. We can use receivables, inventory financing. We can, like you said, do asset deals and just remove some of the assets from the balance sheet to basically pay less. We can also yep. inherit debt of the business, which will reduce um, the purchase price. Um, we can do equity for value or consulting or whatever you want to call it, which is basically means that however way you can add value to the business, you can ask for equity in return. So if you, exactly. if there's any way that you can increase top line or save costs, you can ask for equity. Um, yeah. And I can continue and talk about a few more. Yeah, if you want, but yeah. that's, I think that's I, 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 great ideas. Shoehorning a little idea here because I have done most of my transactions in real estate. So I tried to explain to my sons that I like to buy this mansion for uh, like $1 roughly. And, and the reason for that is basically high level numbers. He has to explain how can I buy a mansion for $1? Just in theory, at least play with me here, the audience I'm talking to. 
and you're more than welcome to chip in with ideas. So basically, uh, the the property was on the market for roughly 1.2 million euros or pounds. Doesn't really matter. Euro is roughly the same. And uh, they have spent well over one and a half uh, million on this one. So far, so good. Uh, they've got a mortgage of roughly seven million on it. In the in the conservative market, it might or might not be worth seven million. No, sorry, 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 sorry. Correction. Uh, they got a mortgage of seven hundred thousand, and uh, and I would say the more relevant market price might be the the seven hundred thousand. So roughly, the mortgage could, in theory, be the same as the market value, even if they have put in one point five million. They are bleeding because they service a mortgage of more than fifty thousand a month. So in theory, I'm making them a favor by taking over the company with the mortgage and the house. So they don't they don't need to chip in an extra fifty thousand every month, even if they have in theory put down one and a half million pounds. So if you can't recall all the details, that's fine. But what what kind of ideas do you take from that structure at all? I think, I think the idea is that in the end of the day, if you have a willing buyer, willing yep. seller, you can come up with something creative to make sure that there's a win-win deal for yep. both exactly. sides. I think exactly. it comes down to, can you put yourself on the same side of the table with the seller and yep. with everyone involved in the deal and just find out, okay, what would be a win-win here? And okay. win-win can be yeah any type of structure that will make sure that both sides are happy and it can be, can involve a lot of money, um, at closing or not. Yeah, exactly. Or or money later, which is so often a, a forgotten factor here that right now the company or the deal can't really pay any money, but come a few years of, of turnaround and no COVID and, and cash flow, etc., then with these conditions, they can have X amount more instead of a bonus or stage payment or whatever. Excellent. Okay. We have we have planned first, we have found a deal, we have now funded it. Mm-hmm. What do we do next? So uh, I like to take two tracks here. Number one is we take the track we us we buy it as it is, and and then the side track is we we buy the stuff within. So number one, we buy it as it is today, and then how did that even happen? You may, might have like real people in the box that you just bought and so on. So yeah, yeah over to you, my friend. Yeah. So, so I mean. If you buy the business as is, you basically buy the business as an ongoing concern with yep. the assets and liabilities, right? Yep. And I mean, you can protect yourself legally and add different clauses to make sure that you are protected if there are some, um, you know, some 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 stuff hidden there that you didn't find out in due diligence. Uh, but in the end of the day, again, it comes down to who are you? What do you? What? Why are you buying the business in the first place? For example, if you are a business owner and you're buying a business, a lot of times businesses buy other businesses for very specific assets, right? Either for like, especially in the technology space, you see that a lot companies buying other companies just for the talent, just for the fact that they have like dozens of developers working together for years and yep. they want them on their team to work on their projects, right? So for, for, for something like that, for an acquisition like that, they don't care about the IP. And then that's assuming that the IP and the product of that they're of that business is not really good. Then you yep. don't really need to pay for it. And you just decide on a price to just buy the, whatever the talent and just move and transfer those people to you. Um, in other times, so for example, if it's someone without a business, so many times I think it's good to buy the business as an ongoing concern with the assets and liabilities, because you also get access to the history, the credit of the business. 
the bank accounts and whatever relationships you have with the bank yeah. account. Obviously, um, some of the track record that the business have, um, and, and, you know, access to different things that might, you might not get if you just buy specific assets, right. And obviously you'll pay different prices for the business as well. Yeah. Um, also if you buy the business as an ongoing concern with the liabilities, it can actually save you money. If you don't necessarily find the money to raise, to just buy the assets, it yeah. might be another great way to, um, to look at it. So yeah. I think it really depends who, on who's the buyer. Why are you buying the business in the first place? Are you buying it for cash flow? Are you buying it for specific assets? Are you buying it for, you know, specific future plans? And based on that, you need to make a decision. Okay. Do I want to do an asset purchase or stock purchase and buy everything and, and just work with uh, whatever makes sense. Also the tax implications, um, on those different structures, um, is a different tax implication. Obviously it depends on the country and whatnot. Yep. Um, and that can determine as well, uh, which one you're using, um, and why. So all of those together, um, will determine, but in the end of the day, it's really on a deal by deal basis based on kind of like where you're at, what's the situation, why you're doing this. Um, and of course you want to make sure you get the, the right support when you're closing the deal, um, from a legal standpoint. And this specific one that we got in mind, it seems it might be toxic. It might have some skeletons. Uh, you can get insurance for that. Yes. But you just like to, to do what they call an asset strip. So basically like to buy the things within what, what is the difference in this case? You're buying the assets, basically. The diff- what's the difference between assets between buying the assets? Buy- right? Yeah, exactly. You're buying the assets within and basically liquidating the company as such, and just taking the the pieces that you wish out of the box. So, so you're saying, okay, what what are you doing? So, I mean, I think it depends on what what is your goal, right? If you yep. want to just get access, so you're saying, okay, why not? You're asking. I'm just trying to understand. I make sure I'm clear. Yeah, the question, question is basically, you 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 buy the company with the purpose of not having the company at all, but you just want to have uh, some pieces within, for example. Yeah. Well, then you don't even need to liquidate the business if you it's not your job. You just buy specific assets. You just yep. do an asset agreement and you buy those assets, right? What are you talking about specifically uh, stripping some assets or liquidating the company is if someone um, usually- I was, the road of the I was thinking down the road of, of liquidating the company, but there, it, there's so many options and, and tracks to take it. So let's, let's not dig any further into that. <laughs> Basically, it depends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, I think the biggest learn from my uh, MBA was the sentence, it depends. And no, that, that was a lot of money for those few words. <laughs> that's true <laughs> <laughs> all right cool perfect okay so everything's done dusted sorted lovely happy days uh, you now have a company or whatever it's now in 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 your hands uh, so you can choose to run it and you can choose to to pause on someone else or or to get yet another one what are some some ideas at this stage for from your side yeah. So, so like I said in the beginning, what I'm excited most about right now is working on rollups. So basically to build yep. good fundamentals so I can grow the business back positions to then, um, hopefully exit or take public. So, um, I work with a friend of mine to help him do that in a specific, in one sector. He just went public on Nasdaq with his company within yep. zero to Nasdaq in like two and a half years. Um, we work with another guy on a rollup. Um, again, same process. So, buying one or two businesses to begin with, building good fundamentals, uh, then buying as many as you can, and then having a liquidation event, either via exit or an IPO. Um, Obviously you can sell it. Uh, Some people just try to sell it right away. Again, depends on your goals. 
for me right now, I'm trying to take just a long-term view. I don't like the idea of just buying to sell. Um, cause I mean, it's, it, it takes enough time to buy. I'm talking about buying like legit profitable good businesses. It takes time to buy those businesses. So, I mean, why try to sell them right away? I mean, if you can get a nice chunk, cool, do that. But I see so much more value in buying few of them, merging them together, building good processes, good systems, and then just having a multiplier effect. So buying businesses for two times, three times multiples of profits. And then after growing them, selling them for, or trading them at five, 10, 20 times multiples. Yeah. So now, now girls, you have the whole blueprint basically, but most people I know, they wouldn't not even dare to think about this uh, without any kind of handholding. So you have been working with lots of people and so on, and you even have a company around helping other people, like you mentioned before, uh, acquisitions.com. So one part of your life to right now is to help other people. What, what, might that look like? Yeah. So, so like I said, we have acquisitions. Yeah. So, so, I mean, it's pretty much, like I said, it's, it's, it's a, an accelerator to help people buy businesses. And we're also now investing, uh, this year in companies. So we just invested in a masonry business, for example. So we're looking to support people in the process. Like I said, most people don't even know that it's possible to buy businesses. Exactly. And even if they were entrepreneurs, they don't know what the process looks like. They don't know what to avoid, what mistakes they might have. Um, and we are uh, basically making sure that we're helping them in the process to be in the same level of knowledge as us. And then if they're just finding good deals, we invest in them, right? And we want to become their partners and also help them operate their businesses. Because it's one thing to buy the business, but then you have another challenge, which is, okay, how do you operate the business, grow the business, or at least make sure you're not uh, destroying what the uh, previous owner built, which I've seen happen as well. So we kind of trying to take like a full 360 um, overview on this and really try to help everyone from the process of thinking and loving the idea of buying businesses to the process of growing it and expanding that. And I just want to share what I got excited about like many years ago now, which is the idea that you can buy existing profitable businesses um, with little to none of your own money. And I, I don't like that word as much as using other people's money. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Great business, using other people's money and building your network um, in a tremendous way. So I want to share that. And of course, I'm a capitalist. So I want to have an upside with all those people that I help. Exactly. Yeah, no, that's also what interests me probably the most. And also like finding the right people, they, they, they would happily work with you on that deal. I'm talking now about the, the seller of, of, of the company for, for a, yeah, a million different reasons, really. Um, okay. So now let, let, let's, let's park buying companies for, for, for a moment. Um, the podcast name is called Invest in You. What does that statement mean to yourself? Um, question. I think when, when you're telling me invest in you, for me, it means just, doing whatever you can to invest in yourself and believing that you can do something bigger um, and better than what you're doing right now. I think most people don't believe in themselves enough. I think that the biggest difference between people who are super successful and those who are not is their perspective. And I think the most difficult thing to do in life is to start and think like the person you want to be and not like the person you are right now. Yeah. Right. So it's kind of like the, it's, it's kind of like the, someone who's overweight is only overweight because they think like an overweight person. They have different thoughts about like health, fitness, nutrition. And yeah, it's exactly. not until they start to think and act like someone who's healthy, that their body follows and they become fit and healthy. So, and I think 
a lot of us just having very much of a challenge to start to think like that fit person or like that investor or like that healthy person. And only when we think like person, like that person making and taking actions like the person, then we become who we want to be. So for me, that's to think like the person I want to be. Perfect. Absolutely great response. So to, to summarize, uh, if you know what you want to be, who and what do you need to do today to actually become that person? Uh, absolutely great. So another uh, standard question we've got so many different responses to over the years is, what has been your favorite office so far? Office? Yep. I, I enjoy working from home the most. I'm happy with so that. And now, yeah, yeah, and now I can't that. complain. And now I can't complain. I see the ocean when I work. So for me, that's... It can get there in that, yeah. Yeah, no, I can completely relate to that. I can also work on the beach. That works for me. Or from my house, we can see a lot as well. So, uh, yeah. I usually don't miss London that much, but I miss the view from London because especially where I work from home there, I can basically see the whole skyline of London and I find that very inspirational, especially when we work in real estate. Like, hmm, I wonder if you could buy that one over there. <laughs> <laughs> that one over there. <laughs> uh, what, what do you like about the, the ocean? Do you like to get out there or, or you see it or even what? Yeah, no, I've been thinking about it a lot. Like I'm really connected to the ocean. Um, and I think you just, I don't know, for those who believe in um, God or universe or being spiritual, it's just connecting me to that source um, yeah. probably the fastest. When I'm looking at the ocean, I'm just getting relaxed. I'm, I can feel really connected to just uh, the expansion energy of the world um, in a good way. And it's, like you said, it's almost like calming and inspiring at the same time. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it. Yeah, no, we, we both have uh, a country on, on our CV, kind of where we're living CV. Uh, how do you find Tel Aviv, where you can get both uh, the hub of of uh, business and you can just walk straight into the beach literally at the same time? I uh, I actually just came back from Tel Aviv yesterday. <laughs> I didn't weekend, know. <laughs> so yeah, it's um, one of my favorite, if not the most favorite um, city in the world. I think it's gorgeous. Like you said, it's a combination of um, very much an entrepreneurial vibe. Like it feels like everyone there is an entrepreneur, even the taxi drivers. And yep. at the same time, it's very much like a vacation vibe. But for me, um, I used to live there a few years, but I had to take a step back because it's almost, um, yeah. Um, I don't want to say too noisy, but it's for me, I felt like at this point in my life, I want like a more of a quiet place to stay at the same time, whenever I go and visit there, I enjoy every second. But I like the idea of coming back and having like a, a place to, to be quiet as well. <laughs> yeah, no, I can also see a lake outside the window, literally right here. And it's super quiet here, which is the complete opposite to my place in uh, London, where I got almost like a highway next to the house, but it's so high, so you can't hear it that much. But it's very big different from, from the bus for sure. Absolutely great. Cool. So uh, do you have any time to read or do any other things, listen to podcasts or whatever? I'm definitely an avid reader. Uh, mostly I'm doing audiobooks. So yep. I have right. probably have a thousand plus of audiobooks um, in my Audible. So I love it. Every Everything that I can get to my hand. And, and you won't find me 
Um, like if I'm walking somewhere, I always have my headphones on. There's no way if I'm in the gym, if I'm working out, I'll always have my headphones on listening to a book or a podcast or something like that. hundred percent of the time. Talking about turning off the, the world. Have you tried to just listen to movies? Just listen to movies? Yeah, Interesting. No. Try no, it. never. Try I actually, I, I, actually... I, got, I, got, I got a little bit hooked when I'm like to not do any kind of learning. I do actually listen to movies on Netflix, which is like, can you do that? Yeah, you can. Uh, it's easy if you got like the faces and the voices, but it is almost like an audio book with action, but you can skip the, like the huge uh, final fight that can be a bit noisy, but <laughs> it is, it is a very interesting way to uh, enjoy your little world with uh, earphones. Right. I like it. It's the first time I've ever heard someone just listening. Yeah. I, I'll actually, I might give it a try. Cause I'm, I'm crazy. Cause if I'm watching like a TV show, I'll listen to it. A, a double, I'll watch it. Yeah, double yeah, yeah. I know the feeling. <laughs> I like it. So, Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, this uh, whole program has been about getting some tangible advice. And you've been extremely generous with sharing golden nuggets all the way the the road. You can just transcribe this episode, and you got at least a fair idea of some of the challenges on the road. There are way many more, but uh, I think you've been super kind with sharing ideas uh, that can be really helpful if anyone like to actually buy a company or even be part of that process. So uh, I certainly will buy more than I have for sure. And I will review some of our ideas in, in this uh, podcast too. So for people who are listening, what else can people think about if you actually would like to, to buy a company for real? Any kind of general advice? Um. I think probably the most important thing you can do if you want to buy a business or just in general, um, make more of it, make the most out of your life is put yourself exactly where you want to be. Like try to put yourself where you want to be three, five, 10 years from now. Yeah. And really try to imagine yourself who you're going to be. Right. So I, I like to tell people that I work with, imagine you're going to be on Forbes magazine cover 10 years from now. What do you want it to say about you? What, what is going to be the sector? what the businesses you're going to own, right? And then come back to reality and start to buy those businesses, right? And make sure that you are proud telling your mom um, that you are part of those businesses because I think that's very important as well. You want to be proud of the work that you're doing. Um, And I think when you're doing something that you're proud of and something that you're excited to work on, then you'll find the solutions um, to your problems. Yeah, and also try to find something to add on to what you're saying there any kind of business is moving a lot of other people from the people inside the business to the customers and, and then also the extension of everyone's family. So you can use entrepreneurship and, and companies for good. And I think strongly that the biggest innovations and, and biggest differences for people will come from entrepreneurs taking action, not from governments legislating uh, or trying to force people to do uh, good things. It doesn't work. Yeah, I agree 100. Um, yeah, like like you see, you see the the best things in the world that we have in the world. A lot of them, most of them, came from entrepreneurs, not from governments. I yeah, agree exactly. 100. So you have been also traveling quite a lot. Uh, any kind of like favorite countries, and, and and what's the reason for it? Might be the food or the people or anything. You know what? I'm not. I, it's like I. I became, I think I'm so simple right now. Um, <clears throat> sorry. Um, in my view on the world, 
that it's like, I like to tell my friends and family, it's like, for me, it's the same, same. You got buildings there. You got buildings here. I am, I do enjoy some, uh, like summer, like, um, the, the, like a sunny weather. Yes. So for me, wherever it's sunny and there's a good weather, I'll, I'll be fine there. And obviously then it comes down to the people you have around you. So I care less about the place. I care more about the people. And obviously if you have a good weather, I'll enjoy that. But with food, I mean, right now, every place I've been in the world, um, it's so abundant. So it's like, you can find something you want and enjoy anyway and anywhere. I think that that's a great response. And also, uh, something for the people to consider as well right now, wherever you are right now in the world listening to this, you can decide if that's a good place or, or not so good place. So people that used to love the, even the idea of work from home, well, many of you guys are enjoy it instead of seeing the home as a prison, if you are, feel sorry for you, uh, but you, you decide very much your own perception of exactly what you're doing right now. So true. Yeah. So uh, I've super enjoyed the, the conversation with yourself. I would love to have a, a sequel or however else I can help you in the future. Uh, but thank you for joining us. How can people find you online if they like to communicate with you or even just learn more about the, even the idea? What's the best ways to find you? Yeah, I think uh, just go to acquisitions.com um, or you can also look for my name on Google, YouTube. I've got a channel with tons of videos. So that's probably a good, a good place as well. Perfect. So we'll have a link both to Warren's uh, LinkedIn profile. We'll also have a link to the page you just heard, the acquisitions.com. Um, so any closing words from Cyprus's late afternoon? On a weekend. Um, Thanks for doing this on a weekend, entrepreneurs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, for me, it's just I really enjoyed this conversation. You know, anyone who will listen to me and allow me to talk about this world of deals and acquisitions, exactly. um, I'll be grateful for it because mama, I can't talk to my friends and my mom about that, at least not my old school <laughs> friends. So yeah, yeah. I appreciate I that. I can talk to my teenagers about this, but I can't talk about my wife about this at all. He, she doesn't <laughs> comprehend the idea of what I even envision. Yeah, plan to do. Yeah. Yeah. to be good continued stuff. good one all right i have talked you about your private life but uh i'm parking that for a for a future friend of, of yourself to figure out that more thanks so much thank you for it i appreciate it